Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 35. The uh, We are thankful for being here and all the craziness that's going on in our, in our world. And uh, we're thankful to talk about the Xfinity and the Truck Series, amongst other things. And we'll uh, get to our thoughts on the season after we did the Cup Series review last week. And uh, we'll talk about the Bahrain Grand Prix and uh, anything else that's come up here. Uh, William Clyde Elliott uh, going and running the Chili Bowl, it looks like, with fellow Chase, uh, Chase Briscoe. That just came out. So um, hopefully I can post this so then it's actually somewhat breaking news being ahead of it. Um, that would actually take some effort out of me. Uh, I'm your host, Philip Matthew. I'm with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. You know, got a lot to be thankful for this year, and um, glad to be able to talk about it on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll also, before we get started, we'll be talking about uh, football, not actual football, because neither of our teams are good, but fantasy football in the Fall Brawl League, a big matchup coming up this week. And then um, also Josh drove a GSP Indy Pro 2000 car and a Freedom 100 at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway. Um, No, at at IMS. Was that IMS? Oh, okay, sorry. Well, there you go. Um, I thought it was Lucas Oil Raceway because I saw the picture. It seemed like it was. And maybe I'm mixing it up with one of the other races, but probably we'll get into that because – you had some interesting uh, dealings over there, and um, we'll get into that later on. But first, we will talk about the Xfinity Series season. Uh, it was uh, definitely different from the last couple of years where you had the big three of, uh, of Tyler Reddick, Chris Bell, and Cole Custer, where they dominated. This year, it was more of a big two, and uh, then you saw other guys come along through the year at times, show momentum. But what I think, Josh, is what this year proved is that there is a lot of talent coming up in this sport. It's just a case of availability of rides and sponsors and all these kind of things. And I think the best uh, example of that is Chase Briscoe. It's not just my personal being a fan of him, uh, which has been put out there very often by me, but the fact that Briscoe comes from, you know, family run organization, ran a sprint car and didn't really have a whole lot going, volunteered his time. He said this all, I mean, obviously you listen to the DJD, you've probably heard the story. So, he came from basically not a whole lot and didn't have the biggest name or biggest thing, but uh, Briggs Cunningham believed in him, gave him a shot, and he won an ARCA title. And from there, Ford took him, and he's been a Ford guy for all these years, ran for Brad Keselowski, ran an Xfinity, or, and ran that that nightmare number 60 car where all three of the guys that were there, they wrecked, I think, every week, basically. Um, and over the last couple of years is driven for Stuart Haas racing with Fred Biaggi and 
this year he won nine uh, or he won nine races. He said he had to win eight races to have a chance to have a job in 2021, and he won nine and was theoretically the best driver over the the majority of the season. The points, of course, say one thing, and that would mean that's a problem for him. But I mean, I think for Chase Briscoe, yeah, disappointment that he didn't win the championship, of course. But the reality is from where he was a few years ago, sleeping on other people's couches to going and now starting in 2021, driving one of his heroes cars, the 14 car in the Cup Series. It, it shows that there is there is room for good guys to actually make it in this sport. There's just being able to bring your your ability to drive a race car still exists, albeit it doesn't happen all that often anymore, but it does exist. And I think Chase Briscoe had a career defining year, even though he didn't come through with the ultimate hardware, uh, definitely had a career defining year. Okay. But anyways, yeah, I mean, like I think this year for Briscoe, he was able to prove what kind of driver he was throughout the season. And he was able to, win at you know a variety of racetracks and you know there was even points where even when he didn't win you saw kind of the the driver that he was um and what he was able to do um even when the cards were stacked against him and he you know you start with like all the way back at you know las vegas like he won uh that race at the you know, second race of the season and then covid happened and then when they came back from covid you know he was able to fight off kyle bush and win the uh, first race back from COVID for the Xfinity series. And it was a, a pretty spectacular finish and just the way he was able to hold him off there the last two laps. And then, you know, you go to Homestead uh, the first day on, on Saturday that day, uh, first race there, he was able to um, come back from being a couple of laps down or something. And, and he was, you know, ultimately able to go and win the race or on the next day, but, you know, he was able to, um, come back from you know being multiple laps down and still finish good and then on the next day then he went out and won the race and just shows you just how talented he was and and how much uh you know he he can be good at homestead and and continue to um just drive on you know the high line and use use the momentum from that and continue to um you know pick up positions throughout a course of a run and then we go to a place like indianapolis uh road course where nobody really had ever even driven there before except for maybe like a, a road course ringer here or there um that had had experience there in imsa or in the indycar series and yet chase briscoe was able to pull off the moves that he needed to make to win that race um, he you know he had to fight off aj almendinger he had to fight off austin Cindric, two guys that are really good at the road courses on the xfinity series and he was able to go out and and do that and then um then even like later on in the season it looked like you know it wasn't going to be um good for him but then um he was able to you know come back and win bristol and las vegas and kansas and and all the way up until phoenix he thought he was basically a uh lock in for the championship and just things didn't go his way there and you know he'll prove to be the guy uh that it takes in the you know to be in the uh 14 car and he'll bring it up to maybe where it was when Tony Stewart was winning races and, and getting championships there, um, and probably maybe even better than that. So I think that's the type of Chase Briscoe you'll see 
you know, in the couple of next couple of years in the Cup Series, and then you know, also we got to talk about the champion in the the series also with Austin Sindrick. I mean, I think he was um, unlikely um, for most of the season, and then all of a sudden he started getting hot at Kentucky, and then you know he won uh, Texas when Kyle Busch got his race disqualified, and then he was able to take the road courses and. You know, he just picked up a hot streak and then he was able to go out and win Phoenix. And, you know, he was able to prove that not only is he a road course expert, but he can get the job done on ovals. Um, And so I think you have to respect him for that. I mean, I don't really like him that much, but not just because I, you know, don't really find anything appealing about him. But, you know, he gets the job done. And there's a reason, you know, why he'll be in the 21 car in 2022 and probably maybe there for a few years, and then he'll probably be the future driver of the two or the the 12, probably. I, I yeah. bet that's probably what will happen. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the, there there's a lot of stuff that, you know, happened in the Xfinity Series this year, and um, I think it was probably the better racing of all the uh, series and, you know, the trucks and the, the cup uh, series. You know, the, the Xfinity Series just had the best racing throughout, and, um, you know, there's a lot of action with the double headers and, um, you know, some of the stuff to make up the schedule, and it was uh, pretty enjoyable racing throughout the season, I think. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot there and this season, and when you consider that this year was kind of a transitional season after the last couple, to have these two guys take that next step i didn't expect it i'm i mean i'm i agree with you josh on the whole syndric thing call him gumby because he looks like gumby um nepotism exists but the fact is this year you win five out of six races he was in somewhat contention at kansas to win uh six races in a row and then that was where he basically put himself that run he had in the summer, basically for six weeks in in July and August, was what won him the regular season championship, which in turn gave him the opportunity to get to Phoenix and then, uh, you know, do what he had to do. Frankly, you could make the case he wasn't the best car the whole day, but he had he did it when it counted, you know, like. It was all guy, I think, was better than him for a while. But, you know, you you go and, and win. He won the stages, it looks like. So, I mean, it's like the reality is for for Sindrick, he won one stage. Yeah, so he won stage one, finished second, and, or one stage two, finished stage. So it, when it comes to Sindrick, he hadn't. He didn't win, but what he had developed, which is something that he was missing before in his career, was a consistency and an ability to not overdrive enough to where he put himself out of contention. And that, I think, is a real positive, and it's nice to see that um, for him. Now that you in you know Briscoe's leaving and the likely replacement is definitely not going to be anywhere near as good, um, and it's probably going to wreck a lot of those cars that they've done well with, which will be a shame. But what I do see is you have Sindrick coming back. You have and and I think another piece that I was thinking about earlier, Josh, and I don't know what you're thinking. Like we we look at the Xfinity series, it's cup light. They basically made the schedule 
it'll be at the Cup Series. Virtually every single race next year is going to be a companion event, which is pretty garbage, in my opinion. Uh, they could call it whatever it is. I mean, they'll they'll use the COVID uh, as as a as a reason, um, and that's valid. But I would also say it's an excuse to get away from other tracks when like the truck series, which we'll talk about in a moment, are going to some random tracks that they never went to, doesn't have um, have uh, safer barriers, but it's fine. But they'll go Xfinity has to run every freaking race with the Cup Series. I think it's kind of stupid. There should be individual uh, the, the series before Fox and NBC came in 20 years ago had individuality and you had regulars, you had drivers that stayed for many years. I mean, they kind of exist that way, but you're losing. There's a reason why these series are, are basically holding on for dear life. And it's not just because of the economy or sponsorship or whatever. It's just a poor uh, uh, scheduling and taking it out of actually, you know, out of racers' hands and making it more of like a um, whoever has the biggest checkbook. Which I mean, it's a part of racing, but I think it also got gets away from what made the series itself. Um, but speaking of that, I think it's something like you look at the Cup Series teams have a lot of involvement in the Xfinity Series has been that way for a long time. Um, and you look at the final four, you have a Penske car, a Hendrick car and of oh, Stuart Oscar. But the other car that was in there was Matt Colley. And I was going to make the point that. When you look at what's going on in the Cup Series and you look at the ages of a lot of these guys, for the exception of Tony Stewart, most of these owners are really effing old. And there will be replacements, of course. There'll be, there's, there's succession plans and all, but they're not going to be, it's not going to be the same thing as having Roger Penske or Rick Hendrick or or the uh, Joe Gibbs or, or Jack Roush. I mean, even though Roush racing is garbage now, but you know, like you understand what I mean. Matt Colley, that Colleg racing team, they were running three cars at times this year and all of them are really good. Matt Colleg is basically, they need to have 10 Matt Colleg's if this sport is going to really be functional here soon enough. I don't know what you think, Josh, but to me, Matt Colleg's basically parking himself to where he's going to end up having at least one charter in 22. Justin Haley's going to move up. Um, I think the hiring of Jeb Burton um, is an angle for Jeb Burton to possibly come back to Cup Series racing after being in it a few years ago for that crappy 32 team. But... What are your thoughts on on the college racing team and what they did this year? Make the final four again uh, with Haley. He's a young town, has been around a long time in this sport already, and he's very young too. Uh, won K&N titles and stuff as JJ Haley, and then went and became Justin Haley, and he's he became a plate specialist. He's won a lot of races on the super speedways, but I think Justin Haley's actual talent um, 
is more than just being able to win on super speedways, even though he's made his name on them in both in the cars for sure. Yeah, I mean, for the colleague racing team, they really proved that they're going to be a formidable force in the Xfinity series and probably even in the Cup series in a few years once they get that charter. And they were able to really coordinate, excuse me, they were able to coordinate together, like uh, the ability to draft together and and, uh, do teamwork at the restrictor plate tracks. You saw that with Justin Haley and and Ross Chastain and then AJ Allmendinger all being able to work together and draft together at the uh, super speedways this season. And, and they, they showed uh, what you need to do to win those races. And, and frankly, that's what you got to do is you got to be able to, to team up and, and be able to uh, draft together and stay with each other throughout the race. And, and uh, you know, when it comes down to it, they, they're able to, to race each other for the win if they want to, but uh, which we saw at, Daytona with Chastain and Almendinger, but um, they're you know they're able to work together for the most part and and have that level of teamwork and respect where they can do that. But also at the other tracks, we saw uh, Ross Chastain. While he didn't win a race officially this year, he was a, a contender in many of the races. And you know even though he, he didn't get any wins, um, he showed why he's going to drive the the 42 car next year in uh, the Cup Series with Ganassi. And Justin Haley, uh, even though he, you know he didn't win the championship, he, he was able to um, continue to uh, improve upon himself. And and even though yeah he only won at the restrictor plate tracks, uh, he was definitely a better driver at the um, you know the mile and a half tracks and at uh, at the short ovals. And even you know even at the um, road courses too, he was uh, pretty decent there as well. So he'll he'll continue to um, grow as a driver, and I think you know going into next year he should probably be one of the early season favorites, uh, maybe to win the title, but uh, you know, at least um, be somebody who can uh, lead uh, a lot of laps next year and win stages and and probably win a, a couple of handful of races and and it's you know crazy to see how how far they've come from where they were you know a few years ago and. Um, where they are now and shows if you know you have the right level of commitment and the um you know the right level of funding you know you can really transform your team and and uh you know help drivers either resurrect their careers like chastain and even aj Allmendinger and people for um them to you know develop their careers like you're seeing with uh justin haley and, and you know even some of the other guys that they're going to have next year with uh jeb burton as well yeah i think colleague for them the way that they have come up and i i just respect what they're doing it's he's doing it out of his own pocket really with his businesses i mean minus the fact that he he's with uh what's that idiot who's who used to be a clint boyer spotter he does business with him but um other than that i mean you have chris rice who's one of the best people in the sport uh you you got these great people i mean aj allmendinger has the best of both worlds right now he gets to be on tv works the sports cars he's friends with the guys that he works with and in and lee diffie who's one of my favorite announcers because of all the different things he says and the way he says them um like green rehaul um then and and calvin fish rg bargy um 
there's there should be a thing like we need to do this once we get into 2021 for season two for year two of this deal um we're gonna have to do like bingo for the show to certain words and certain things gonna have to make people do that if we got if we actually get somewhere get a following i think we're gonna have to start doing like bingo with certain words like i'm gonna it's like uh martin brundle bingo for sure but anyways as i was saying in terms of matt call like he's a, a breath of fresh air in a sport that definitely um is lacking a lot in a lot of areas uh, they they brought a what is it i think blake cook started there they were able to run well with blake cook and he disappeared and got some other filter deal going on. And now he's June bug. He's a June bug guy. Uh, they've run other guys. I mean, True X ran there and he ran all right. And then they've run Haley and Haley is his guy. And I think that's, that's the reason why Haley didn't move up to run that POS car for Spire because they're going to run cup in 22. And uh, I think Jeb Burton getting hired is a really cool deal. Uh, he's a really good guy. Uh, underrated people. You know, I don't know what people think of him or whatever. It, it's kind of like, it, it's funny how the Burtons, the Burton kids in a lot of ways are similar to their fathers in that Jeb Burton had quiet unassuming i mean he's really big dude big tall dude compared to his dad who's very small guy and and of course jeb can enunciate that also makes him different than his dad um but he's a really good guy and, and people forget that years ago in a truck for turner motorsports he finished third in points he won multiple races he finished third in points he's a good driver you know, the the fact that it's taken him I don't know how many years now to get back into a full time ride is is a f- product of the sport that we are in right now. Uh, guys that are really good not having opportunities has always been a thing, but I think it's worse now than it ever has been before because of the limiting, the narrowing of these fields and the inability for other teams to be able to come in, which is what makes colleague basically a um exception to the rule um and and i think the team is just gonna go from strength to strength and i think they're gonna be an elite organization in the xfinity series um basically if if not by next year i think within the 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 next two to three years because it's going to be very difficult to stop that kind of hungry family type organization um, across, even against these cup guys, especially if this new car is supposed to do what it's supposed to do, which I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll be, ple- I'll be pleasantly surprised if that's the case. But um, outside of those, outside of that, I mean, outside of the the final four, I think. You know, I talked about the Burtons. Like Harrison Burton was somebody who struggled in the truck for Kyle Busch. 
uh, didn't really do anything there. But when he got an Xfinity car, he always looked better. And this year, he won a few races, and he won. I mean, he beat Noah Gregson. So anytime anybody beats Noah Gregson, it just makes me happy. Um, he's a guy who I think with the Toyota expansion, with I think their focus on getting 2311 to a four-car team, I think Harrison Burton is safe at Toyota. Also, the move that John Hunter Nemechek made, which if you haven't heard through other podcasts or through news or media, John Hunter Nemechek moved out of the 38 Cup car. He's going to drive the number four truck for Kyle Busch Motorsports, um, most notably uh, ran by um, by uh, Chris Bell a few years ago when he won the championship. I think Eric Jones, but Eric Jones ran the uh, did he run the Ford truck when he won the championship for for Kyle Busch? I don't remember if he ran the Ford truck. If he ran the 18. No, he ran the four. Oh, okay, all right. That's a so Eric Jones and Chris Bell both ran the the Ford truck when they won the championship, and now John Hunter is going there, and um, I'm forgetting his uh, his crew chief from. Uh, his dad's team, which is a family, whatever, it's a whole connection. I think that's where they're going. Uh, they're going to run that whole deal, uh, see if they can win a championship there. And John Hunter, I think, is angling to get back the cup as well. Um, when it comes to these young guys, I mean, you look at you look at uh, Harrison Burton. You look at the... Uh, Gagson. Uh, there, there's some other guys, and and then you contrast that to a Daniel Hemrick, who is a relatively young driver too, but has been through the ringer, been through all three series, got fired by RCR after one year, um, had a brutal, brutal year this year at times, and but was able to make things work and put himself in a position to get himself in a full-time uh, Joe Gibbs racing ride. So now he's in play uh, to possibly go and move back up to the cup series in a much better ride. Um, again, you got Bruckshot Jones who won three races this year and seemed like a factor at times there there's there. I mean, but he's a daddy's money guy. You have the daddy's money type people, but you also have a lot of other things. I think what, I'm trying to say is when it comes to this series next year, you have a lot of strong candidate. There's a lot of people here. I mean, Cindric's definitely the favorite, but there's a lot of juice here in this Xfinity series going into 2021. There was a lot of questions who was really going to be the, the one to take the mantle. Um, I people, most everybody's going to pick Cindric. I'm sure. But there's a lot of juice in this series, and there's a lot of experience going to some top-flight rides where, depending on how things land, albeit no practice most of the year, and I think for most virtually the whole entire year, you ain't going to have no practice and qualifying and all that, so it's going to be different that way. But I think this, this upcoming season uh, is going to be interesting for sure with some of these guys that are getting into full-time rides. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's gonna be interesting to see what what happens with uh, the Xfinity series going into next year, and the fact that we see like guys like 
Justin Haley, we see uh, Harrison Burton, even some of the guys that maybe aren't going to be as competitive like uh, Brandon Brown, like they'll continue to grind and get um, whatever finishes they can get. And you'll see maybe Brandon Brown can um, continue to push for more, you know, more higher finishes and, and challenge some of the, you know, bottom of the top 10 drivers. You know, maybe he'll have a career in the Xfinity series similar to like uh, Jeremy Clements or somebody like that. You know, like he's been in the Xfinity series for a long time and he's had a pretty solid career. I mean, he hasn't, you know, he's only won like one race, but uh, he's been a, a solid, you know, bottom of the top 10 guy. And, that's, and you're able to um, see him like, you know, use strategy to, to be able to get in uh, position to, you know, take stage finishes from other guys that you'd normally be able to expect uh, them to be in, uh, in, in that stage in the top 10 or whatever. But, you know, like even some of the guys that were rookies this year, like Riley Herbst, like he's going to, you know, be in a different ride next year in in the Xfinity series. And he'll be in that, um, I think, is that in the 98 car uh, for, uh, you know, Stuart Haas or whatever they're, they're going to be with Riley Herbst and, and, um, they'll, they'll, uh, maybe have some growing pains compared to Chase Briscoe, but they'll, they'll be able to figure it out and possibly start contending for wins uh, with him and, and, um, you know, top fives and top tens. And, and it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with that. But a lot of young talent that, uh, will continue to uh, flourish and, and grow in the Xfinity series. But you, know, you can't ignore the veterans either. I mean, Justin Algar seems to be like he's the main veteran in the series right now. But, you know, I think it's basically him. And then there are other, um, you know, lower level drivers like like um, Jeremy Clements and and, you know, like some of those some of those guys that are not really quite as good, but they you know continue to be solid and and have decent finishes and they're able to make a career out of it and you'll you'll continue to see that throughout uh, the year next year and you know hopefully Justin Algar is able to continue to uh, challenge some of these young guys and show them how to drive and you know they'll they'll be able to learn from it and then also we'll talk about like even the the cup guys like Kyle Busch like Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, like even though they'll run limited schedule, you know, six races or whatever, you'll still see them be able to uh, show the Xfinity drivers like what they need to do to, you know, be in the Cup Series, and and you'll probably see Kyle Busch's ego get stroked once again as he gets closer to that 100th Xfinity Series win, and you know it'll be exciting to see if he's able to do that and possibly. Uh, the fact that he'll no longer be in the series is even more exciting. So there will be a, a lot of exciting storylines for the young guys and also the veterans going into next year. Absolutely. And I, uh, I'll be the first to say I'd rather Kyle Busch just goes and gets his uh, whatever hundred wins. And then we don't have to hear about him anymore in that series. Um we're at a point where the Xfinity series, if they want them to run, they should make it. If like, if you're a cup guy, should it, you should, you make enough money, go and run your own car. Uh, for decades, it worked that way. And it started with Mark Martin with Roush in the nineties. 
and it's gotten worse and worse over the years. Kyle Busch tried to do it by, by on his own, and I don't know if they built their own cars and they rented motors, or I, I forget how it was with KBM that one year, and he he sucked, and Kurt won, and I think that was one of the reasons why Kurt was able to stabilize his career um, after his latest gaff um, when he cursed out Jerry Punch and all that when uh, what was it First Lady Michelle Obama and uh, soon to be First Lady Jill Biden were there at the Ford 400 in 2011 uh, and he blew out a transmission or he had some sort of issue and he was flipping people off driving through the garage area and going cursing people out that was something but whatever he he went back he drove the 51 car and wrecked every other week and then he uh but he drove the 54 for his brother at richmond and he won that race and that was a big deal not only for kyle and kurt but i think in general for kurt's uh uh, career and I, I think if Kurt, Kyle said oh I'm going to run my own stuff like he runs he makes these super late models and the way NASCAR is becoming they, there there should be a move to make things simpler or go and make it more about ingenuity and building your own thing and show up because you're losing count you're losing car count you're losing teams and I think Kyle Busch would be better off anyway you go run one. The problem is cost, of course, and finding sponsorship. But then when it comes to Kyle Busch, he can go to M&M Mars. They'll give him whatever he wants. Uh, he wouldn't have a problem sponsoring a car, uh, fundamentally. Uh, there's other cup guys probably have that issue. Some of these XNE guys have an issue. But if you're running your own stuff, for years, all these cup guys ran Xfinity, but they ran their own stuff. There was nothing wrong with it. Sport was good. The Xfinity regulars would be able to compete. Yeah, more times than not, the Cup guys would win. But the fact is, it was competitive. It wasn't this like two-tiered system that exists now, where you know, like now that's why they only they have twelve cars in the in the playoff in Xfinity instead of ten or whatever, because you would limit the likes of a Ryan Sieg or a Brandon Brown or add the uh, whatever Brett Moffitt. Uh, coming in next year out of you take them out of the equation because it's a cup benefit um they they need to make it more about those teams and those guys type of drivers and teams than it is about being a full-on cup affiliate um the sport would be a better would be better off that way but they let the inmates run the asylum and that's why um, you know, we have all the kind of crap that goes on in NASCAR as it is. Uh, switching over to, uh, it's, I don't know how I'm supposed to transition off of that. That's, that's my fault. Um, transitioning to another series that's definitely kind of leaking oil and holding on for dear life. And based on some of the announcements, uh, that have come up. Uh, yeah, sure. You have some really viable drivers. You got John Hunter going to Kyle Busch, Truex. We're going to run full time for Nice along with uh, Hosevar. So that's two of their drivers. You wonder if Trevor Bain, former Daytona 500 winner, will be running full time. But 
they have two full-time drivers. Of course, Nice took a big step back uh, this year compared to where they were last year with GMS equipment, and that's where we start. GMS uh, super team. There was we talked about the super teams in in other series and Cup and Xfinity, but um, GMS really emphasized and showed how good they were. I mean, they have Hendrick stuff, they have other connections going on, but Sheldon Creed went out there. Uh, Robbie Gordon's protege uh, came from Stadium Super Trucks and Baja and that whole deal. And a couple of years ago, he, he for MDM Motorsports, um, uh, he won the ARCA Championship. He's a Lauren Rainier, um, a guy. Uh, of course, people, the Lauren Rainier is a famous name. His dad, Harry Rainier, owned cars for many years in the Cup Series. Uh, the Grey Goose, which Dale Jr. ran about 8,000 times, uh, where um, Buddy Baker won the fastest 500. The 28 car, um, before it became Robert, before it was Robert Yates, it was Harry Rainier. Um, Harry and Lauren found Davy Allison. They or they we got Davy Allison to drive the 28 car, um, most famously. And with that, and Tony Stewart was another person. There's a long list of guys that Lauren Rainier has helped over the years, and uh, Sheldon Creed's another one. Um, how about GMS and uh, and th- their battle with Door Sport? which was basically what this series was. I mean, this season was very disjointed. The way they presented it was terrible. Um, There really wasn't a whole lot going on outside of GMS within themselves versus Thor Sport. Um, But really, I mean, Maury Gallagher, rich guy, airplane coming, all that whole thing. Big deal this season for them to just dominate the way they did. The same way, it's similar to what Joe Gibbs Racing did a, last year, a couple of years ago, with getting three out of the four in in the final four. Yeah, for sure, and definitely like like with the the way that GMS performed this year, like it was mostly Sheldon Creed for the most part, and then we had like um, Zane Smith won a couple of races that at Michigan, and then he was able to contend for the championship, and he almost, you know, he was able to almost win the the championship there, and just came up, like, a couple of car lengths short from winning the championship, really, and, you know, Brett Moffitt almost had a a chance to win the the championship, Um, is, you know, like, the last caution of the race, like, kind of came at a bad time for him, and then it was just, like, him not having a good pit stop and you know his crew guys kind of you know didn't do what they had to do to give him a good pit stop and uh you know he kind of blamed it on them for a bit it, but yeah at the end of the day it was really the 2020 season for GMS was really just about Sheldon Creed going out and and dominating uh for the most part and and th- he was able to do that but uh, you can't ignore uh, Thor Sport. Um, Grandin Finger is going to be a mainstay uh, for that team for a long time. I think he'll probably be kind of um, what Matt Crafton has been for that team for several years now, being the 
the you know token veteran driver of the the truck series i think that's what grand infinger will most likely end up being as a career and there's nothing wrong with that you know just saying that's what it's likely to be uh and they you know they've got ben rhodes who won a couple of races you know did something stupid at texas uh wrecking out uh christian Eckes and and rafael lazard at the end of that race which was pretty dumb but um even he's a pretty good driver for that team and and he had some good moments uh, throughout the season other than you know that incident there at Texas. And he, he uh, came up short a couple of times and he was able to win one race. So I think next year uh, he'll be able to maybe he can string it together a couple of wins. Maybe we'll see uh, in finger uh, dominate some more. Um, I think I think uh, he, he has probably the best chance to take it to the uh, fight for Phoenix with you know possibly Sheldon Creed or Zane Smith, um, yeah, and I, I think even for the you know the truck series with uh, John Hunter Nemechek going to Kyle Busch Motorsports, I think that's a pretty uh, big game changer because we've we've seen what John Hunter Nemechek was able to do in the uh, truck series before, and he wasn't really like that dominant, but he was able to still get what he could out of his uh, family-owned truck. And you know, he was able to show what he could do to win races when he was willing to do when he um, took out Cole Custer back in 2016 in, in uh, Mossport and get his first win in the series there. But even even on that, like it, it's going to be an interesting battle for the title next year. And uh, I think Sheldon Creed's definitely the, the favorite. Uh, I would still look out for somebody like Zane Smith. He's... Um, Definitely somebody who's uh, going to be the part of the future of not only the truck series, but you know eventually the Xfinity series and and, and the Cup series. And uh, I I think uh, it would be wise to keep an eye on him as the season progresses next year and and as uh, he's able to contend for races and championships uh, in that series. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, he's one of the guys in the final four going into Phoenix next uh, next year. Yeah, and I think Sheldon Creed, it's just going to continue because he keeps on learning. Uh, he keeps on getting better over time. So I, I, it's going to be um, hard for anyone to to really uh, get to beat Sheldon Creed. I mean, now Brett Moffitt's out of this series, so you lose one of the veteran guys. You lose somebody who's a champion who's around in all three series, and now he's going to be in Xfinity. Um, he's going to be a tough out there, albeit in a smaller team. Um, but I think it's going to be more of the same. Uh, Will Ankrum make a step forward? Uh, the 1-1 race a couple years ago for DGR Crosley, rumors are out there that uh, they might be up to four teams, uh, for four full-time teams next year. So that'll give eight. Fords. I mean, the reality is they're all those piece of crap Ilmore engines, but they're Ford bodied. So uh, that would give eight Fords on the on the starting grid um, in the truck series, if that's the case. I mean, uh, certain people like Haley Deegan, so she'll be out there. Um, you have uh, Tanner Gray uh, continuing. Rumors are Raphael Lassard might go there. Um, I'm forgetting the fourth one. Todd Gilland is there, but there might be other options for Todd Gilland um, elsewhere um, above. Um, 
uh, in above the truck series, uh, uh, if not other things uh, for him. Um, when it comes to door door sport too, they're not changing anything. Uh, I think Matt Crafton's going to drive until he's a hundred, um, and Menard will sponsor him, and uh, and Duke and Ronda will will let him do that. And God bless him. He's he's doing what NASCAR used to be. You know, 20 years ago, he won the the Southwest Tour Series Championship as a young rookie. Uh, Kevin Harvick fired him after one year. Uh, people don't remember that he did drive for somebody other than Door Sport. He did. He drove for Kevin Harvick, and they fired him after one year. Albeit, he hired his basically his second father and one of the greatest uh West Coast stock car drivers has ever been in Ron Hornaday and won him a bunch of hardware. So it kind of worked out that way, but it also in the end worked out for Crafton uh, minus the fact he never really got a cup or an Xfinity shot um, in fingers. The guy though, he's the long term. Um, he's a, he's 30, he's around our, my age at least. And, but dude's been a grinder his whole career, won that ARCA title a few years ago he had a chance to win this truck championship and he's really, really good driver. And he's really, really good at setting up a truck. And he's got one of the best crew chiefs in the business. And Jeff Hensley, who's been doing this for freaking 30 years plus um, 98 team. While Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith would be considered favorites for sure. 98 team isn't going away. Uh, that's so those three i mean you consider that you most most of these guys you look at the top seven in points only one of those trucks will have a different driver so there's going to be a lot of the same austin hill won the regular season title not the greatest but whatever um austin hill i think will be there uh, again with the tory punching above their weight based on their um financials and everything um, we don't know what Eckes is going to be doing. Ankrum will be back. We don't know, really know what Gillen's going to be doing. Derek Krause is another guy uh, with uh, Bill McAnally's team, legendary West uh, Series team. Uh, he's a he's a guy that Toyota, if they're serious, if they're really serious about going and keeping talent, they need to keep him. Uh, he, while everyone talks about Haley Deegan, uh, he wiped the floor with her for however many years in the West Series. And he probably should have made the playoff this year uh, in the Truck Series, too. But he's going to get better. And so, I mean, while the Truck Series, I think it's more a case of uh, quality versus quantity. Uh, there really isn't, it is the depth isn't really there and it really isn't going to get much better next year, even with some of the additions. Um, I, I mean, the truck series itself, I mean, I don't know, like, do you see anybody outside of those like big three teams counting even Kyle Busch motorsports in this case, do you really see anybody else outside of like a Derek Krause that could possibly go and take that next step? Uh, forward does nice actually go forward 
to you, Josh, uh, or somebody that could surprise? I mean, does DGR Crosley, is DGR Crosley that team? And if so, you know, we're talking, I'm talking rumors in terms of at least one driver, but does DGR Crosley take that step forward to be one of those elite teams and contend for a playoff spot or spots? Yeah, I think for sure you're going to see somebody like Todd Gillen, Derek Krause, I think you'll continue to they'll they'll continue to get top fives and top tens going into next year, um, and they'll they'll be able to uh, lead the way for uh, the DGR team. Uh, maybe you know maybe Haley Deegan can string together some finishes or something, but I mean I wouldn't expect her to compete for a playoff spot. She might be like a, a bubble driver potentially. Uh, I'm only saying that be, not because of the level of competition in the series, but just because they're going to give her all the resources she needs to succeed. So I think that's what you're going to see from her. But I think for uh, Todd Gilliland, uh, Derek Krauss, uh, I think that they're they're going to be the drivers that lead the way for uh, DGR Crosley. And I do think they'll take that next step. Uh, I think maybe Ford, they can get them some uh, more manufacturer support potentially uh, I think they'll they'll want to work together uh, considering you know that they have the other team with uh, Thor sport and they'll, they'll want to you know be able to not really share resources but you know they'll give them equal support and from forward and uh, I think they can take that next step and be the uh, that contending team in the truck series and uh i i think you're probably gonna see it's gonna be a battle mainly between gms uh between you know thor sport and then uh maybe kbm if they can uh get some consistency out of john hunter and Nemechek and i and uh whoever else drives the 18 car well with uh, uh christian eckes uh, i think they're possibly gonna be the that that third team but i, I do think there will be some races where uh DGR's trucks with uh, Todd Gilliland and Krauss, I think they, they can definitely ha- have some races where they, they'll finish better than than uh, Nemechek and uh, Christian Eckes. And uh, maybe some of the independent teams also, like with uh, Austin Hill, I, I think he'll definitely continue the kind of uh, career that he's had so far and the season that he had at uh, uh Hattori racing this season and and definitely he'll be he'll be there contending for a top four spot at the end of the season I mean, you know you'll see uh those guys all fighting for uh places in the in the truck series playoffs next year so i think there's um even though it does seem a little bit dismal once you get outside of the top eight uh, top 10 of, of that series i do think there's uh going to be a lot of interesting storylines to follow so it, it isn't all uh doom and gloom and and it is uh, a little bit more independent of a series than the xfinity series but uh at the same time uh i think it's going to help the series uh be a little bit more unique than what we see out of the the other two series and definitely uh going to be a lot of exciting racing next year in the trucks yeah and i mean we're gonna they're gonna be running on dirt twice uh next year the bristol dirt race in march they'll also be running at knoxville raceway uh, where um the knoxville nationals takes place so that'll be interesting um it'll be funny 
I, I don't know how NASCAR is being able to. Uh, they throw cautions with farts in the wind, except when it's the final race of the year, um, when they're going to have to run against the wall and they're going to all be hitting the wall. Anytime anybody hits the wall, uh, they throw yellow. So they're going to be hit, throwing a caution every lap. That'll be something. Uh, hopefully bad year makes a better tire, but that's asking a lot since they don't know how to make a good tire um, for dirt. And um I don't know if Tony will be helping the people at Knoxville Raceway um, based on how they were prepping the track the last couple of years at at uh, at Eldora. It didn't really um, add up to great racing. Um, and I'm a Tony Stewart mark, but the fact is the trucks are dog slow. They don't have any roll off the corners, so it's going to be pretty garbage. Um, they'll also, what I, what I am excited about though, is that they'll be running a couple of road course races. Uh, there, there's a likely, I mean, they may run three road course races, but they're definitely going to run two because they're going to be running at Coda. Uh, there'll be a lot of RG bargy going on there. Watkins Glen with the trucks, uh, is going to be awesome. Uh, I would like to say that I would be able to go because um, I've always wanted to go to Watkins Glen because it's one of my favorite racetracks in the whole wide world. Uh, but I'm more likely if they were allowed to even go at that point, I'd rather go to the six hours at the Glen because there'll be less people there. Um, we will see when it comes to the truck series and what goes on. We'll spend a lot more time talking about you know, classic stuff, stories, things that um, we did it earlier in the year when we are talking about things that kind of got us into sport. And we'll spend a lot of time talking about that more as we go along as the season. Basically, everything ends. Formula One's still going to be on. And um, speaking of that, um, we will go to Formula One. Um, before, sorry, uh, I'm jumping the gun here. Why wouldn't I? Um, in terms of, uh, before we go and preview the formula one race, the first of two races at Bahrain, uh, this weekend, uh, on the regular circuit, the uh, regular GP circuit, the Bahrain Grand Prix will be going on this weekend. Um, there'll also be, and formula two will be back randomly. And then, um, super GT will be finishing their season at Fuji, um, Last week, there was the uh, Macau Grand Prix. Um, they all they had the GT, they had their usual open wheel, and they had touring cars. At um, and then they we also had Brands Hatch British touring cars. Um, no, no, that was the previous week. Uh, Moto GP. Uh, went on at uh, Algarve, the uh, Portuguese Grand Prix, and uh, Miguel Oliveira uh, won there in dominant fashion for the Tech 3 Yamaha, or Tech 3 KTM team. Sorry, had that slip. Um, they were a Yamaha team forever. Um, dominant performance, the Portuguese rider wins his home Grand Prix. Jack Miller finishes second in his last race for Pramac before he goes up to the main Ducati team. Franco Morbidelli uh, gets a third-place finish. A great end to the season for him. 
a lot of the talk was about his uh, teammate Fabio Quattararo won multiple races uh, as well this year, but frankly, uh, frankly, Franco, uh, the um, protege of of um, of uh, Valentino Rossi, was way more competitive, and um, he won. He won three races this year, and that. Then you look at Fabio Quattararo. He won the first two races of the year. He also won three races, but his inconsistent. It was literally on or off. He was he either won or he's jack crap, and that's the reason. But the difference is Franco Morbidelli is going to be staying at the Patronus team next year, and his teammates going to be his. You know his uh, his mentor, Valentino Rossi, while Fabio Quattararo is going to move up with Maverick Vinales into the main Yamaha squad, where Vinales has been there for a few years, only won one race this year. Uh, Yamaha has to make a big step forward. You assume Mark Marquez is going to be coming back, uh, guns a blazing, and it's going to go back to kind of the usual. Um, after Joanne Mir won for Suzuki, Alex Rins finished third in a year that was unlike most there's ever been in MotoGP. Uh, going back to the old 500 days, it kind of was like that, where there were so many different guys that could compete. Um, Davizioso's out. He's he's going to take a sabbatical. Uh, you, you have Cal Crutchlow, who had a brutal year, and now he's going to be the Yamaha test rider. Taka Nakagami is going to be teammates with uh, um, uh, Alex Marquez at the um, LCR Honda team, while um, Polo Spargro will be uh, going to Honda as teammates with the with uh, Mark Marquez. So that'll be interesting to see if he's able to stand up to the pressure there since the Hondas have not been great uh, for the second rider. It's kind of like Red Bull with their second driver situation, which still hasn't, we still haven't figured out who's going to be there, whether it's going to be Alex Albon, uh, uh, Checo, Sergio Perez, or um, Nico Hulkenberg. There's a lot to come to when it comes to that. There's only, there's still three races to go formula one. So it might go all the way till the end of next month. Um, so there's a lot uh, going on. Uh, interesting MotoGP season. It was one of the first, I think, one of the first years for me uh, in a while that I actually wanted to watch because I didn't know who was going to win from race to race, uh, which made it watchable. It's the same thing that people probably whine about when it comes to Formula One. But the difference for me is I like the guy that wins all the time. So that's the difference. Um it was something that didn't exist for a few years. And even those years I was watching anyways, because it was interesting um, when Vettel started winning, uh, even in like 2010, 2012 was interesting. 11, 13 wasn't, but you are there. And then once the bottom fell out for him, the racing has been okay for me. Um, in terms of the formula one, World Championship will transition to that now. And uh, Bahrain Grand Prix this weekend. Um, 
you know, Lewis Hamilton, it's he's won the championship. He's got his win total. He's passed Michael Schumacher. Uh, Constructors Championship locked up. It's it's all done for Mercedes. But Josh, I'll ask you the question in terms of this midfield. This is where everything is now because you know who's going to be the top three in the Drivers Championship. You know who's going to be the top two in the Constructors Championship. But who do you look for now? You know we're going to have back the next three weeks. Basically, we're going to have. Three weeks in a row. That's exactly what it is. The last three three weeks in a row, we're going to have racing here. Who do you look for here um, to respond to this triple header and be able to go um, and do what they need to do to solidify, whether it's fourth in the world championship on the driver's side um, as one part, and then also in terms of the team's part, who do you look for to finish third in the constructors? Yeah, I'm going to look for, I think, possibly McLaren to finish third place in the constructors championship. Uh, I think they've got a, a better shot at getting in the, uh, you know, they, they've had a lot of good finishes with Lance Stroll and with uh, Lando Norris and uh, Sergio Perez or Carlos Sainz. So I think, uh, I think they can have a, a better chance at getting the uh, constructors championship, or you know maybe a third place or, or fourth place. Um, but it'll be close with with uh, force or not force India, but with uh, the Racing Point team. Uh, they they've been pretty solid with Sergio Perez, and I think with uh, even Lando Norris at, at some points this season, you know they've had some pretty good finishes. But even even guys like uh, uh, Daniel Ricardo and other uh, other guys like you know uh, Charles Leclerc, like they they've all had like okay seasons for the most part, but they've uh, um, just haven't been quite as solid. So I could expect them to be in the the midfield uh, battling for uh, the you know final positions in in the drivers' standings. Um, you know fourth through seventh. Uh, that's going to be an interesting fight. But I think you know, probably for the constructors championship, it's it's definitely going to be a fight with uh, McLaren and Racing Point and uh, Renault. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna the 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 fact that Ferrari is now kind of taking a up their t- going and moving up their performance is actually going uh, forward after this last uh, race. Um, that that is a bit, that Turkey. They're going to be able to compete. Uh, there was kind of a sign there, a little bit where maybe if Torosso, I mean Torosso. Now I'm we're getting we're all we're messing with everything. Um, Alpha Tori could have put uh, themselves in a position to get sixth in constructors, but uh, they're definitely locked into seventh. The bottom three is um, basically set as well. Um, it's uh, we we'll see about what goes on between McLaren, Ferrari, Renault, and um, yeah, it's when uh, the McLaren, Ferrari, Renault, and uh, Tracing Point 
Uh, Sergio Perez right now doesn't have anything, and it's criminal. He's having the best year of his career, and he could possibly not have a job. It's a joke. Uh, guy's a beast. Um, he doesn't even have options in IndyCar either, which is ridiculous. Uh, maybe he'll go to Formula E, I guess. I mean, that's where we're at. You know, when you're going to send somebody like Sergio Perez or like Nico Hulkenberg to Formula E, and you have the likes of uh, effing um, Nikita Mazepin and Nicholas Latifi and, um, going and driving around and Lance Stroll, who's a ball licker. Um, I mean, yeah, he got one podium, one pole. A, a squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Um, that's really what it is. I mean, his teammate has missed two missed two races, one because of COVID, one they didn't even get the car out there. And he's got him by freaking 40, 41 points. I mean, that's 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 all you need to say. I, they, you could say, oh, he get, got a pole. Well, great. I mean, he should have probably won that race. But somewhere along the line, he got damaged. Um, I think this race this weekend will be more normal. But they're saying there might be rain and Rain in Bahrain, um, which would definitely be something. Um, if there is rain, you would assume it'll be Lewis and Max being up there, but you can never count out any of these guys. I think Charles Leclerc, you look at Vettel all of a sudden has a little bit of positive energy going on. Um the pride factor will probably kick in there. Uh, I mean, there's, it's, I, I, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking, Josh. Um, when it comes to Lewis Hamilton, uh, you know, there's, there's, he's, there's a possibility. It sounds like there's a possibility he might get uh, knighted, which would be um, awesome to see. Uh, personally, as a fan, um, but other than, I mean, in terms of uh, of him getting, I will see what happens with that. But uh, he's Lewis Hamilton's only when you consider where he's won at. It's one of the only tracks where he hasn't won at um, as much. He's won only three times at. Uh, Bahrain. Of course, they've been running there since 2004. Um, they ran a different circuit in 2010, a longer circuit, which was god-awful. But they've been running there since 2004, and um, Lewis has only ran won there three times. Uh, Sebastian Vettel's won there four times. And um, the, those are the only two guys right now that are out there. Of course, Alonzo will be back out there next year, and he's a three-time winner on that circuit. So um, I don't know who you're looking at. I, I'll pick Lewis. Uh, I'll be a mark. I'll pick Lewis to win, but uh, who do you look at as a winner for this weekend's race? Yeah, I'm going to go with Valtteri Botas, actually. Uh, I think Lewis, I think he'll definitely continue to run hard. There's no question about that. He has the drive and determination to do that. And 
uh, he'll be the favored driver throughout the rest of the season, even though he's already secured the title. But I think Valtteri Bottas is going to try to make amends for himself uh, from the last couple of races. He hasn't been quite as good, and he, he has uh, the ability to continue to uh, get good finishes. He's second in points. So I think I think uh, um, Valtteri is going to be able to challenge Lewis a, a little bit more than normal, um, and maybe he can work in some strategy with his team and They'll they'll be able to uh, stay close with Lewis and definitely challenge him and maybe they can uh, be able to take the lead and and win the race. Uh, but I think other guys maybe you want to look out for is somebody like Charles Leclerc. Like Ferrari's had a terrible season, but Charles Leclerc um, has carried the the flag for them the entire year. They're still in like fifth place in points. Um, and they finished in third in this race last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's a, you know, a contender for the podium uh, for this race. And then even other guys that have continued to uh, finish in the, you know, the top five and, and podium at points this season, like Daniel Ricciardo, Max Verstappen, um, Lando Norris. I, I think those guys will be able to challenge for positions throughout the you know the midfield portion of, of the field and you know the fifth uh sixth fourth place seventh place uh range of, of drivers so it i think that part of the race will be uh, very interesting to watch um i think you know lewis and and possibly valtteri botas they're they're going to be the guys that are challenging for the win uh this race um, maybe a surprise winner happens and it's not one of those but i mean it's likely you know the winner is going to be a mercedes driver most likely yeah it'd be something to see if um you know it'll be really out there if charles leclerc could go and um, avenge the loss he had a couple years ago where he was supposed to win his first grand prix a couple years back for ferrari and he had an engine problem uh, if they could do that i think rain would probably come into play for that to happen so we will see it'll be the first of three consecutive races to end the formula one season we'll be talking about formula one uh here in every week here on the gsp i'm hoping to have uh, george houston of the grid talk podcast and Sportlight um on uh, the podcast again he was on uh, a while back a great guy one of my friends, uh, I'm over there on the Grid Talk podcast at times and also work for Sportlight, so it'll be good collaboration. Um, he's passionate about the sport and has a lot of takes and a lot of thoughts on all, not only just the, not only the, the Formula One, but also the junior formulas, Formula Two, Formula Three, so we'll probably get into more of that here in the next few weeks, along with um, some of the other series. I figure next week we'll talk indie cars, and I'll try to see if I can get somebody. Maybe we can get Tanner in on the show, and we can kind of get a recap of the um, Open Wheels 500 and how that all went. And I'll see about that. Uh, see if he's available for that and we'll talk indie cars along with formula one so we'll kind of have an open wheel uh themed kind of uh show uh, here next week uh before we get into our closing thoughts talk about football and other things and talk about you know family and thanksgiving i think with this time this week and 
what we've gone through all year. And I, I think it's a positive uh, thing to talk about what we're thankful for in terms of motorsports here in um, 2020. You know, I th- you know we've lost. Uh, there's a lot of loss that's gone on, a lot of people lives and unnecessarily, and a lot of bad things that have gone on. Not just whether it's COVID or other things, but I think for NASCAR, I mean NASCAR is probably the wrong. I think IndyCar is the best example of this, where Roger Penske thankfully owns the IndyCar series now. Because if it was IMS, I don't know if they would have been able to pull off a calendar, let alone have the kind of plans that they had um, to go and get the series off, get the, to have a competitive, usual championship that they've had for all these years. A little few less races, but competitive championship. You didn't really hear anything about covid going on with the IndyCar series. They were able to run it. They were able to run St. Pete at the end of the year. They were able to go back to Mid-Ohio and actually run Mid-Ohio, even though Mid-Ohio Ohio is a clusterfuck state, along with, you know, no offense, Josh, but Florida also has been one. And, you know, like, you know, every, but now every state is. So, I mean, it's not as bad as others, but, it's it's becoming a problem. It's been a problem. But I would say that, and they ran the Indianapolis 500, albeit it was in August, but they ran the Indianapolis 500, and it was, an in, it was a pretty darn good Indianapolis 500. So uh, to me, thankful that, the Indianap- that IndyCar was able to pull this off. Uh, Formula One, they effed up in Australia. You know, Lewis was out there saying, I don't know why we're here. They had a m- bunch of issues had to stop. They put a calendar together. And what I'm thankful for when it comes to Formula One is that we saw Portimao. We saw other circuits. We saw the Nürburgring um, come back. Nürburgring is, even this circuit, not the Nordschleife, the Formula One, current Formula One circuit, nice, you know, uh, solid circuit for Formula One. It allows for some action, um, you know, Lewis was able to take advantage of Valtteri Bottas, uh, win that race. It's, it's a circuit that, um, it kind of plays into these cars a bit. It probably is not, um, suited in, in some senses for these cars, but in other sense it is. And once the weather comes in, that's really where it, 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 it plays a part. And if you put put a German Grand Prix where it would usually be in the middle of the year with rain, you'd be in good, you'd be a good situation there. It'd be a good race. Um, so I think seeing some of these circuits and hopefully Portimao um, it gets in that gap. They have a gap there. Um, I think the fourth or fifth race of the season. Um, and hopefully they go to Portimao and it's warmer and you're able to see the cars go and run with full temperature and the tires. It might be even crazier than what there were this year, um, a few weeks ago when they ran the Portuguese Grand Prix. Um, that's that's my I mean I look you missed out on the North American races and the South American races, and all of them are usually pretty 
good. I mean, definitely uh, Canadian Grand Prix and the Brazilian Grand Prix. People look forward to both of those tracks. Um, I love Coda, so and Lewis is great there. So hopefully they'll all be back along with Mexico. Um, I don't know, depending if Sergio Perez isn't out there. I don't know what the heck they'd even be going to Mexico. Um, but, um, yeah, those are two things. I think in uh, most of these series being able to come off, I think NASCAR was probably the worst off out of all of them, but it's not shocking, uh, to go and get these seasons off and, and have worthwhile championships go on in, in a time where unlike any other for most, most years and, um, in, 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 not only in recent memory, but in general, I think that's what we're thankful for. And a lot of, you know, being able to not have serious, major serious injuries and, um, being able to kind of, uh, change with the times and make things simpler in some ways and kind of condense and possibly make some changes towards a better future for some of these series. That's what I'm thankful for. Uh, what are you thankful for, Josh? Yeah, so I think you know this year um, I was you know I was able to go to the the Daytona 500 and watch that race, and I came back on the second day when they resumed the race after the rain delay, and it was a very uh, you know very exciting race, and the, you know the ending was terrible, but and scary, but you know thankful that Ryan Newman was able to survive his accident and all of that, but you know then COVID happened and we didn't have racing for a while but we had sim racing and so being a sim racing guy it was a very uh cool to see the sim racing series pick up not only in nascar but also for for indycar as well but and you know with formula one as well and and imsa they they all did stuff with sim racing and i think um it turned up the engagement for sim racing for for the fans that are interested in that and other people who want to be interested in that gave a, a different insight uh into you know what you know people are able to do online and how they you know can get online and just race other people and uh you know as long as you have what the you know the requirements for that you know you can you know go and do that and the fact they were able to watch that on tv was really exciting and and not just like on some somebody just broadcasting on youtube but like literally on broadcast TV, on Fox, on NBC, and uh, ESPN, they're able to put on these uh, sim races and for people to watch and keeping them engaged while you know we we're trying to um, you know stay away from the coronavirus and all that stuff. But that's what I'm you know thankful for. And, and just like when things resumed, um, the fact that we had a variety in the schedule, we had double headers in in the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series, and um, you know, even in the truck series, we had uh, a variety of schedule in Formula One. Like you mentioned, there are tracks that they hadn't raced in a long time that they went to. They, you know, they returned to Imola. You know, they went to Portimao, and we saw uh, the Turkish Grand Prix. A lot of uh, places that Formula One hadn't been to in many years, or new tracks that they had uh, that had been around that they hadn't been to. So that that is another thing to be thankful for. And then. Um, just the the fact that even through all of it, like um, it you know brought us together, uh, brought other people to, you know to be able to continue to talk about racing, um, and the fact that, you know like they they didn't have like as many um, 
cases of the virus uh, as other, um, and I'm not just talking about like you know NASCAR, but just also like Formula One and IndyCar. You know, they didn't have as many issues as other sports that are currently having issues, and that's likely you know by the design of the of the series because it's racing. It's not a physical contact sport other than the the pit crews and all that. But you know the the fact that you know most of the drivers were able to get through the season without any major issues um, from the illness and from injuries in general. I think that's a another thing to uh, to be thankful for. But yeah, you know, I mean I'm thankful for the fact that we're you know able to talk about this and you know we've been able to do this for um, several months now and we'll we'll continue to get better and we'll um, be able to you know work out through some of the issues that we had. But uh, with you know the technical stuff and you know we'll we'll continue to learn and continue to grow. Uh, and figure out how, how to, you know, grow this and, and also, you know, use, use these skills and other, you know, other uh, facets of our life. Like, you know, me, um, being a communicator is something I've struggled with in, um, parts of my life with, um, you know, expressing my ideas and, and things like that with my, you know, with my career and everything like that. And, um, you know, this gives me a chance to kind of practice that and be, you know, be able to, uh, be uh, better spoken and and stuff. You know, I'm very you know very technical sound, but a lot of engineers and stuff they're um, not as good as expressing themselves. You know, we're introverted people, and you know this gives me a chance to just talk about it and and um, as you know we continue to make these episodes, we'll be able to uh, you know refine speaking skills and be able to uh, be better at communicating my ideas more thoroughly. Yeah, and I mean that's a that's one thing. I mean, as that point you brought up in terms of us being able to do this, um, I mean, I'm thankful to you, uh, Josh, for being able and being willing to uh, jump on and uh, jump on this new project. Uh, it's something that you know I think about it seven years ago. When I first started doing a podcast, it was a NASCAR-related podcast that had um, aspects of wrestling and other things, um, and it was hilarious. It was a clusterfuck. It was everything um, balled into whatever, and it was. It, it would be posted weekly, and it had a following, and there were i mean i know people listen to it and i had friends that listen to it and you know there's pages that i was on and that's where we met on facebook through some of the nascar pages and that friendship has gone on and i'm glad that we're friends as much as anything and we're able to do this and we're going to grow this and hopefully i mean obviously you got a great career and um, and that, and I'm hoping that, you know, this is a nice side hustle for you. For me, I got, I finally think I have a good thing for now and hopefully I can grow with it. And on top of that, I want to be able to do this and I want to be able to do some of the other things that I love. And, you know, if it meant that it, it took this pandemic, um, and you know, for people that are dealing with, uh, this in terms of the frontline workers, I mean, thankful to you uh, for being able to deal with it and for all the crap that's gone on um, and having to continuously go through it. And we're thankful to you. I mean, I say this, you know, from as the son of a, a nurse um, and I'm thankful that she, 
that she's safe and she's here and she's able to be okay. And I'm, but I'm still worried about her, even though now that she's stopped, um, you, it's a serious thing. It's no joke. Um, people who think it's a joke, um, you can go fuck yourselves. Um, the, but frankly, the, it took, it probably, it was a swift kick in the ass, things that had to happen. I've been waiting for years to do it. And I think probably the timing of everything worked out in a way where um, I was, it, it started on the solo deal. I was doing um, fill in the blank and uh, we're doing the, it was the, um, it was a sim racing deal, the I racing invitational thing. And, uh, I had you on Josh and from that point I was like you know it was that and then uh, I'll give credit of course to Frank Linker uh, who is uh, a part of the Indie Sports Car Podcast he's a friend of mine uh, somebody that um, I've known for a few years it's one of the top line um, indie and road to indie podcasts that exists and he said, oh, I listened to it. You need a co-host. Uh, you listen to my solo show because I would I would go off on tangents and all that. And I, we're still working on it. The fact of the matter is we're both finding our voice. And, Josh, you're working on your stuff and trying to be uh, better. And I have to be better, too. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to be honest and we'll be out front. And if shit sounds... Like, shit, well, you know what? At least we'll admit it. You know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to go and, and act like it doesn't exist. We're getting better. We're going to try to get better. While other people want to specialize on one particular series, other people are trying to expand. There's a reason why they're all trying to do different things. Because there's things like, there's shows like us. There's a show like us that can bring it all and give you all the things and we can give you history can give you the information and that's what this show is going to be about and i'm thankful to you josh uh for being my co-host being my friend and that we have this and we're going to keep this thing going for a long time because um that's what it should be uh we should be having fun should uh talk in no matter what's going on in this sport in any of these motorsport series just have fun talk about it bench race talk about what's going on bs about some of these drivers call them names because the fact matters they make so much effing money it doesn't matter they can go block me block us on twitter who cares you know the guys have no personality i mean whatever you have to call them on it it's there's too many people that are butt kissers in this world and ball lickers in this world, there has to be somebody that'll at least provide an honest, um, uh, unfiltered, a real perspective on uh, motorsport, on sports, and uh, it won't be like completely insane either. Um, there's sanity involved in it, so then that takes the the lunatic fringe aspect out of um, the deal, which makes it valid. Um, so I, I guess it's a long way of saying thank you, of course. I 
But, I mean, that's the thing. I, I think as much as all this with all the motorsports, being able to talk about it, we got this deal. We're going to be going through, you know, we'll do this all year, every year, uh, for as long as we can, you know, unless some craziness happens. And actually, I want to give credit to Frank and also Frank and Missy. They just had their baby. Uh, they had a baby, they had a son. Uh, they just got him back home and, um, congratulations to them. The thank, the fact that Frank is a father is, um, something, um, Missy, I know she'll be an amazing mother. Um, but she'll be definitely crushing a lot of water bottles like, um, Liz power. Um, Frank's definitely going to be, uh, whinging like willpower. Um, it'll be something, uh, that son's probably going to be really intense and, uh, probably would be either like some sort of combination of, well, I'm not going to go there. The fact of the matter is it's, I'm, I'm glad for them and thankful to Frank for his honest and Frank, um, perspective on my, um, solo deal, because if it wasn't for that, the GSP wouldn't exist. So, um, there is that, uh, while we're uh, closing out the show, before to start the uh, closeout on this show, we got to talk about fantasy football because real football is not good for either of us. Um, Josh's Jacksonville Jaguars are uh, playing for Justin Fields uh, or or Trevor Lawrence because maybe Trevor Lawrence says I don't want to play for the Jets, and God bless him, I I'd agree with him. I wouldn't want to play for the Jets either. Um, they're fucking awful. Um, they should have beat, <laughs> they, they could have beat the LA chargers. I mean, the fact is I have, um, Justin Herbert in my other league and I've been riding him. That doesn't sound right. Been, <laughs> uh, that's, that's, I just walked into that one. They've been using, utilizing the, um, Justin Herbert in fantasy, uh, football, to um, put me back into contention and in turn in the uh, fall brawl league, uh, Josh has been able to utilize um, Justin Herbert uh, to second currently in um, the fall brawl league. And this week we will have our second um, uh, meeting. Uh, The uh, uh, Josh's team will be going against K Adams Froyo, which is my team. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts? We should go and we can go and get a preview of that. We can go and get a preview on, I mean, Jake Luton looked good for a couple weeks and then, uh, uh, reality set in for Jake Luton. And, uh, um, I guess you're going to be going back to Gardner Minshew once, um, he's readily available, but uh, Doug Marone's gonna get fired, and uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, that would make no sense. Why would you keep him? But, um, but either way, uh, we could talk about football first before we go into your um, um, your exploits on iRacing, which were definitely interesting. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about real football for a minute. Like, yeah, the the Jaguars. They 
lost their 100th game under Shad Khan's ownership, and uh, that includes the playoffs. Uh, if they lose to the Browns on on Sunday, it'll be their 100th regular season loss, but they've now lost 100 total games under the ownership of Shad Khan, uh, which tells me what kind of uh, knowledge he has about running a football team and you know selecting the right people to run the team and and being being that kind of uh, owner where you, you can place your imprint on the team and his imprint is insulting the fan base and saying that uh, they can't support the team and and that they the market doesn't have the appetite to support eight games so we need to take two of them and put them in London and then we're gonna go and um, get a 200 million dollar tax free or interest-free loan from the city that will be funded through you know taxpayers in Duval County to uh, fund a, a lot a parking lot that will be transformed into uh, entertainment center that's basically just going to be a bunch of Buffalo Wild Wings and shit so you know, that'll be interesting and and we'll see how that goes but that tells you about the ownership um, I, I actually don't think anybody will get fired because they're going to look at the games where they played hard this season and they'll say hey they, they coached him up well they just need a QB and or not coach him up well but they, they just they they coached them and they were able to play hard but they just didn't have the experience and they're just maybe a, a quarterback away and uh, a year of experience away from competing uh, for uh you know, wins and, and playoff titles and all that. So I actually don't think they'll fire anybody. And if anything, they'll all get fired at the end of next year when their contracts are up. And that includes the general manager as well. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm just being cynical. But, uh, you know, um, we'll see how, how viable, as uh, Shad Khan likes to say, the, the Jaguars will be. So be interesting. Um, as far as fantasy goes, yep, I got Justin Herbert. In, on my team, and he's done well, and he's uh, on track to have the best rookie season of all time in the National Football League uh, as of right now, so it's working out well for him, and I expect him to continue to do that, and he'll definitely be um, uh, he'll definitely be a, a high-scoring player on my team. Um, uh, got a little bit of injuries, I guess, with Juju Smith-Suter and uh, Julio Jones. Uh, I might not play... Uh, Juju this week. I'll probably play Allen Robinson instead. You know, they got Nick Foles. Nick Foles stinks. Uh, well, I don't even know if he'll play because he might might be still injured from uh, the last game he was in. Or he got his thigh crushed or whatever it was. And um, not not sure what will happen there. But um, I think, yeah, I'll probably have to put in Allen Robinson there. But uh, I've had a solid team overall this year. Um, for the most part, I haven't had to make any uh, waiver wire moves or trades or anything like that and there have been people in the league that have been proposing trades to me and I've just hit decline every one of them because it's like none of these trades are, are good for me they're all yeah. you're, you're just trying to get my good players for uh, a handful of your average players yeah, so yeah. it's um, you know it's a pretty one sided trade I think and and uh, we'll see how it goes for the playoffs I mean right now you're projected to win uh, over me by 7 points and and you have a 58% chance of winning, and I have 42% chance of winning. So it's going to be really close. I think last time around, um, I think you had a pretty pretty heavy lead on me, and then I was able to kind of keep it close a little bit. But uh, we'll have to see how my players do against your players. Um, you kind of had a little bit of faltering off, though, because yeah. you know, some of your uh, players that you had, like Dak Prescott, like went on injured reserve and you know no Just longer available Joe for the Burrow season. Too, yeah. So. Oh yeah, Joe Burrow too. He tore his ACL and so they rest in peace to his knee. But yeah. uh, we'll see how your guys do. Um, 
Um, I mean, the projections not always reflective of what happens in reality, but yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Josh Allen might go off. We'll see. I mean, he plays <clears throat> plays the Chargers, um, and Gus Bradley's defense is hit or miss. So we'll see how that goes. And Josh Allen has been hit or miss, but maybe we see early season Josh Allen instead of the middle of the season. Currently, Josh Allen has been quite as good. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And um, your quarterback, uh, Derek Carr, who's been okay. I mean, maybe he'll get a rebound game against the the Atlanta Falcons, who are, haven't really been uh, this good this season. So um, I'm excited to see the matchup, how it'll play out. Um, definitely going to be a very close one. Um, there is an option at the top on the app. It says, do you want to challenge Kay Adams Froyo for a cash prize this week? Dismiss their challenge. Uh, I think I'll hit the challenge button. We can go for some money there. Uh, I'm just kidding though, <laughs> but that'd no, be funny. You know, we can go for we can go for for a six pack. It's fine by me. I don't care. <laughs> we can go for whatever the hell a six pack costs. I don't know. It's not Schlitz. It'll probably be like seven. Uh, I'll, I'll go for a six sixteen. I'll go for like seven bucks. We'll go for the seven dollar bet and that'll be the whole thing that'll be the seven dollar bet that'll be one of the things we got going i don't care for a set i can I'm afford seven dollars whatever but you know i don't know about go a couple tall cans we can go three tall cans uh a lot of good points and credit to you on that rant on shad con that was beautiful um that's what i need that's what we need we need uh that that version of josh more um we uh, uh definitely appreciate your uh your analytics and your able your ability to go and provide the information for sure but i i think i think the 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 ranting josh i i like the ranting josh so we might <laughs> have to talk more about football then and just i'll just say jacksonville jaguars and let you go for like We'll start it with like a minute, like five minutes or ten, like seven minutes, and then we'll kind of limit the time. See if you can limit state, keep yourself within a time limit. That's something we'll talk about as we go along here uh, in this off season, uh, which will, I mean, which for Jacksonville's already started. Basically, the Niners also, uh, even though Raheem Mostert, it sounds like him and Jeff Wilson will be. They just got uh, taken off the IR and COVID-19, whatever. Um, one of them may be back this week, but there's really no windows where the Niners are going to be able to make the playoffs in the NFC this year. Uh, the only solace I have is that they'll get a last place set schedule, which will make it easier for them next year. Um, hopefully they'll actually draft a quarterback maybe maybe uh mr clean will learn how to do something other than a cover two defense um because his defense is so predictable everybody's able to burn it um i don't know if they're going to keep sherman or if they're going to do jason verrett um it'll be our luck they'll get rid of sherman and jason verrett will get hurt week one um, the way the Niners are, everybody gets hurt, so it doesn't matter. I get hurt. My liver gets hurt every week watching them play. So there's – but I can't blame that on their training staff or how they draft. Though, well, actually, I could blame it on how they draft because John Lynch is not and, – and Kyle Shanahan are not good at that. Um, we'll see what happens against the Rams. Big win on Monday night for them. 
last night against the uh, Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, uh, the Buccaneers and, and the TB 12 method, which is going and throwing bad picks. And it his in some of these games, Tom Brady has definitely looked like Tom Brady, the golfer. Um, there's other games where Tom Brady's looked like the goat. Um, it's funny how uh, Bruce Arians, everyone talks about how great Bruce Arians is, and they got all this talent, and they replaced Jameis Winston, who eats his W's because, you know, he's the kind of guy that's that goes and rapes chicks and then steals lobsters from Publix when he's won the Heisman Trophy. Um, but he threw 32 interceptions or whatever he did last year. And Tom Brady in big spots this year has been throwing picks. I mean, what's the difference here? Um, I don't really know, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's wide open. I think we kind of know what's going to happen in the AFC. Uh, I think we, it's, it's, it's a given because the league wants it a certain way. Um, also doesn't help that, um, the guy who quarterbacks a certain team in the Midwest is not human and he sounds like Kermit the Frog too. Um, that also helps and they get every call. Um, but credit to Derek Carr for being able to stand up. That was a great battle. That Sunday night football game might've been the best head to head battle between quarterbacks this whole entire year. Um, I, I'm so thankful I picked up Derek Carr uh, during the hours before Sunday night football. Cause I would have been fucked if I hadn't. Um, I kind of still am anyways. Cause Joe Burrow got completely demolished, um, which is so Cincinnati that, you know, Joe Burrow wins Eisen trophy freaking has a great year. And, he just gets fucked by Washington of all. I mean, it's like, okay, you like Pittsburgh. It happens against Pittsburgh or Baltimore. No, it's against Washington. Yeah, it's so bad. Uh, I mean, I feel so bad for him. I mean, uh, to lose, you to get knocked out and, and then to have your whole entire knee um, demolished. And, you know, it's, that's just terrible. It's so disappointing for him. Hopefully, he'll be all right. I mean, he looks like central casting, probably got a hot girlfriend, whatever. He'll be fine, um, whatever case may be. But Mike Brown, Cincinnati, they're a clusterfuck of an organization. Um, they're never going to get him enough help. Uh, they never got enough help for Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. They're not going to get any help for Joe Burrow either. Zach Taylor's a horrible coach. So, that's uh, a n- no-win situation. Um in terms of the fan, of the league, uh, five teams already locked in. Uh, Joe, one of my best friends, um, you know, Josh, myself, where Joe and Josh are at nine and two. Um, Josh has actually passed me in, uh, or no, no, jo- that's points against. In terms of um, points for. Joe is way ahead. He's 112, 117 points ahead of me for the high points for the league uh, in the regular season. Uh, there's two buys. So there are the two buy uh, 
teams right now, nine and two. I'm at eight and three with Kay Adams Froyo, which is a great picture of Kay Adams on one of the NFL honors, I think, with her fine ass in a shiny little dress. God, I love her. Um, uh, Luke El Duque is fourth. He's locked in to the playoffs along with Wilson, Ron CMC, former multiple-time winner of the league. Joe's a former winner of the league. Uh, two guys that are um, new guys is Josh and uh, Luke. Uh, so I likely, and of course, Josh, he's right. He hasn't used $1 of his waiver budget, or he used $1 of your waiver budget, but I went and took it from Mike at PLP because he hasn't paid yet. Um, and so I went and replenished your budget. So if you wanted to go crazy, you could probably do that. Um, there's, uh, it's definitely competitive Four, five teams are in, there's still, what is it? A couple of weeks to go in the regular season. And there's a couple of games separating, uh, sixth and eighth place. Um, it's kind of a cluster there, but we will see what happens with that. Uh, you were able, Josh, to go and run the the Freedom 100. Uh, There's definitely interesting things that went on. There were some big names, other writers, people that we know both in social media and somewhat personally. Uh, let us know about what you did over there on your iRacing exploits. Yeah, so the Freedom 100, was it was a Save the Freedom 100. Uh, Kyle from... Uh, I think his name, last name is Kubertson from uh, Racing Nation TV. Um, him and uh, David Land is a pretty, pretty uh, big YouTuber, I guess, on you know NASCAR and IndyCar stuff in the you know YouTube world, and he's got a pretty good following there. They kind of organized an event for the. Uh, Freedom 100 as uh, you know Roger Penske is I guess going away from the Freedom 100 next year and and they're trying to raise awareness to save the race and you know bring it back with the the Indy Light series and you know it's been an entertaining race throughout the you know many years that the Freedom 100 has been uh, a race there you know we've seen great four wide finishes and you know a great passing throughout the you know course of the race and a lot of racers that have made it onto the indy car series got their start in the indy light series and even won the freedom 100 like oliver Askew, who was in this race and he competed and and uh he was up there up until like the last lap and i think he got taken out uh coming on the back stretch of the last lap uh, for the win but for me, uh, you know, we had the GSP car that I painted up over the weekend and tried to compete and get into the race, uh, which I thought I, in practice, there's, you know, some test races and practice sessions, and I thought I was going to, you know, be good because I was able to be competitive in the race and the qualifying from what they said, like the times, uh, you know, if you, if you drove around the four corners normally, like you would uh, in an open wheel car or any car, like, like I, I thought I was placing pretty good times and they had mentioned that you could use the, they, they didn't explicitly say it, but they basically said, yeah, if you want to use the access lane during qualifying, um, we're not going to like uh, hold it against you because iRacing uh, doesn't penalize you for using the access lanes because it it's a paved surface. It doesn't count as off track, uh, and there are no cones except in turn one to prevent you from um, 
you know, crossing over onto that access lane and using that. So it's only like if you make contact with the cones, uh, which you get a 0x in iRacing, which is basically just like a basic contact but no penalty against you, or if you touch the grass, which is a 1x, and, you know, you'll uh, your time will get thrown out. In some cases, you get a 0x, and your time gets thrown out by the by the system. So as long as you're able to stay on the pavement and get in uh, the the access roads, you could basically shave off like uh, six to eight tenths of a second off your lap time. So you go from like a 56 flat or something or 55.9 uh, second lap to like a 55.2 or 55.1. And that's where a lot of the, those guys were. Al, Oliver Askey went and won the pole and he did that. And um, I had kind of been aware of that. Um, I had, it wasn't like it wasn't 100 percent like sure about it and i kind of was you know vaguely not vaguely i was like probably like it, it was um you know like in the back of my mind like should i go for that uh during qualifying but i hadn't really like practiced uh, enough attempts to you know be comfortable doing it on all, all four corners um because like you know turn two three and four like it's pretty easy to get the access road but turn one you like they have cones there and you have to angle your car to not hit the cone so you don't get any damage or get any penalty from making contact with that um so i i didn't like i think i only made like one or two attempts where i was uh, where where I was uh, using the access roads and the other attempts that I made on my own or in mock qualifying sessions, I run the uh, qualifying laps normally where you know you just stay on the the, the corners and the uh, the track and everything. And uh, for me, that's what I did when it came to the real qualifying session. And then I end up timing like like I don't know like forty something and and you know the the cutoff was at twenty uh, eighth place for the the race and and the tops or the last seven would be determined through a, a last chance qualifier so i got slotted into 15th place for the last chance qualifier and then uh i started out the race uh, the first lap there was a crash i got a little bit i didn't get any actual contact but i guess i ran over something and eye racing gave me damage so uh, i had to go into the pits and use up my first of three fast repairs and then uh, there was another accident after that, so we really only had about like a couple of laps. It was a 15 lap race, uh, and we only had maybe like six or seven laps of actual green flag racing because um, of cautions and everything. And then uh, I I was like kind of in the back half of the top 10, sort of like 10th and 12th uh, for the most part uh, through the first couple parts of that race. But then uh, lap lap 12, there was a caution. And I was like in ninth place, and we thought there was that was the end of the race, and they were going to end under caution. But then they decided to give a green-white checker, and then I had made it up to, uh, well, yeah, ninth place. And then on the second attempt of the green-white checker, I had a pretty good restart, and I got into like seventh or eighth place. And I was able, like, on the back stretch, coming to the final lap, uh, I thought I was going to have a pretty good shot to, you know, make it up to the leader, be able to stay up in the top five. But then some other guys in front of me, I guess they got too close together. They didn't actually make contact, according to them. It was the the net code, which is where, you know, iRacing thinks where your car is on the track and rendering your car against the other car. And they made contact because of that. And then or the game made them make contact because of that. And... Then they crashed, and I was like, you know, I was going for it on the backstretch. I'm not lifting, and and uh, I was too close to them to really like evade uh, the accident, avoid the accident, and uh, couldn't really take any, any evasive moves. So I uh, 
you know, I didn't really have anywhere to go, made made contact with one of those cars and got taken to the backstretch grass and then had a couple of flips and I was pretty much at the end of my deal. Um, I had to call the tow truck, you know, fall, fell a lap down and then uh, I ended up finishing in 15th where I started, but one lap down, first car, one lap down. Um, so I did make the race, I had to finish in seventh, but um, it was a good experience, I guess. Um, definitely uh, gonna have to, you know, when it comes to gray areas you know, in racing, that's how how it works. How you gain advantage over the fields. You look at the gray areas, and and you know the they said they said in the race they're going to enforce the uh, apron, but you know in qualifying because they can't actually view who's qualifying. They you know they only as the host of the race they can only see um, the track. They don't they only see the track in a a pre-rendered state, I guess, where there's no cars on the track as the host, but. Um, each each car or each in, entry in in the qualifying session basically has their own session without anybody else. Whereas in contrast to the Open Wheels 500 a couple of weeks ago, um, Tanner was able to schedule that as a practice session where he could watch the practice session, and that's how he was able to enforce qualifying and 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 do all the the sanctioning for that and all the uh, calculations for everybody's times. So. Um, the guys, uh, Kyle um, and those guys, they kind of just let iRacing kind of take care of it. And that's not their fault. I'm not faulting them for that. That's how they wanted to do it. Um, it's just there's, you know, the, the difference between what they did and what somebody like Tanner did. Um, so, you know, there's two ways to go about it. But, I mean, I have nothing against it. You know, I should have uh, been a little bit more um, aware and more intently focused on using the uh, access lanes for qualifying um, and being able to practice that and all that. So, and then, and then even then, like, you know, you just got to be better at avoiding wrecks when it comes down to it for, uh, you know, for those races with the Indy Pro 2000, especially with the draft being so important uh, with those cars and, and, you know, pack racing basically being the type of racing that it, it was um, in, in the qualifier and in uh, the actual Freedom 100 itself. Um, I think one of, I forgot who it was that one, but I think it was, um, it was basically like one of the, the guys that they sponsor. Uh, I guess, or that was running a car with sponsorship from Racing Nation TV. So uh, it was a pretty wild race, a lot of wrecks. Um, and, you know, basically it would just come down to um, the driver in front, like having to really like time the run so that he can stay in front of the guy behind him and the guy behind him trying to figure out a way to get a draft and, and pass and all that. And, and it was a, uh, it was pretty crazy, but you know, had fun. Uh, we'll continue to improve our ability to make it into these special events and to actually qualify. Um, you know, the last couple of uh, events like that, the Open Wheels 500 and this, uh, I've definitely learned a lot to take away uh, going into any future events, and then we'll, you know, just um, use that experience to just get better at sim racing and and all that stuff. So, um, no, nothing to be ashamed about. You know, just um, I guess right now uh, the misfortune is on our side, so we got to get, start getting a little bit more fortunate. Yeah, it's something that I mean, I wish I was out there. I know I told you that. I was like, I wish we were out there. We could go and kind of work together in some of these races. And but I need to get better technology, uh, better, more powerful computer, and all that to even be in a position to get there. Um, Hopefully soon, maybe in 2021, we can talk about that as well on the GSP. Um, I'll, uh, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter, at Grip Strip Pod, 
is the Twitter handle for the show. Have to use that more. Be probably doing that more as the off season comes along. Um, PhilipGMatthew.com, which is my uh, blog site. Uh, you could find uh, posts, old posts, and also the show. You can um, find us on Podbean. You can um, Amazon Music, uh, Google Podcasts. It's supposed to be Google Podcasts, um, and many other places. Stitcher, um, TuneIn. Um, we're in a bunch of different places here for um, the Grip Strip Podcast, where you can go and find us. Um, and uh, there's we're working on more, frankly, more places that we can uh, uh, be. We're on um, Spotify as well, and um, and uh, we're, we're and hopefully um, with help from others, maybe we go go can go and get a little more distribution. Probably could do video uh, if I can get technology or get better lighting. And as we do some renovations in the house, might do some video as well. Uh, Josh, I know you talked about a lot of your uh, sim racing. I know you have a Twitch stream. Um, where can we follow you to go and watch you um, on Twitch and elsewhere? Yeah, um, you know, you can follow me for Twitch for I mean, right now I'm just streaming iRacing, but you can uh, follow me there at twitch.tv slash usailor2. And then on Twitter, you, know, you can follow me at JP Huffine. So that's mainly where I, I'm active right now. Um, and I, th- I think I, I do agree with you, though. Uh, Got to maybe get some maybe get some video going, work on the lighting and you know, get a camera for, for me. Um, and, you know, we'll figure out the technology on that and probably have to do some some dry runs and all that. So we'll figure it out. Um, but, you know, that's where you can follow me. All right. So with that, um, we'll uh, say happy Thanksgiving and, um, you know, thinking of uh, hopefully you get joy from the show and hopefully you're able to be um, able to small group or however many group or whatever, maybe you'll be able to uh, celebrate a Thanksgiving and uh, with you and your loved ones in uh, a managed way, um, wear a mask, uh, social distance, uh, take care of one another, uh, be good to one another um, in a time where we're, we're definitely polarized and divisive and things have gotten separated. It's a time where being together is important, but being together and doing it responsibly is what it's all about and it's really about common sense i don't think it's really that hard but definitely common sense doesn't exist and it'd be nice if more people to accept that uh for josh i'm phil gsp episode 35 it's a wrap for tonight we'll be back next week to talk about uh the bahrain grand prix and we'll talk about indie cars and whatever else comes up That's coming up in my mind. We'll talk about football as well, the fantasy football. Good night.